What's up, crew? Crypto adoption is inevitable, but it's a wild ride. Bitcoin is your store of value, but Ethereum is where you put crypto to work. Not your keys, not your coins. Invest for the long term, but trade the cycle. This is heavy. We're getting deep here. And then every four years, we do it again. Welcome to the BitLift Podcast. In part one, Pete and I explained proof of stake and where the rewards come from when you're staking your ETH. But I also mentioned that most ETH staked is not staked directly. 70% of the ETH staked is done so through a liquid staking provider who does the staking for you in exchange for a fee. So take a very simple example of Coinbase, which is a centralized liquid staking provider. If you go on Coinbase and you buy some ETH, Coinbase makes it super easy to do. They will literally pop up a dialogue and say, hey, you just bought some ETH. Would you like to earn some reward on it by, by staking it? And, and you can click a button and say, yes, I want to do that. I mean, this is how technically difficult this is, right? You yep. can click a button in a browser. Now, what you have done at that point is you have given Coinbase custody of your ETH that you bought. And this is an important thing to understand. At this point, it is no longer your ETH. It is now Coinbase's ETH, and they are going to stake it. Mm-hmm. And they are therefore going to get some staking rewards as we just discussed. Now, what Coinbase does is they give you a liquid staking token. In their case, it's called CBETH. What this thing is, you've got a CBETH, and you can really think of it as a future deliverable of the staked ETH plus the reward that that staked ETH is going to earn over time. So I have a CBETH. Let's fast forward a year into the future when we have withdrawals enabled, and I can take my CBETH and I can go and I can withdraw one of Coinbase's ETH that they have staked. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I can take my CBETH and I can exchange it. Maybe I don't want my CBETH anymore, but you you would like a CBETH. So you know, there's some market price. I can sell my CBETH to you. Meanwhile, the underlying ETH stays staked and stays owned by Coinbase. But now you have the option to go to Coinbase and say, I'd like an ETH plus the, you know, the reward. So there's different types of liquid staking. I kind of classify them into three different categories. Okay. Uh, I call them centralized, permissioned, and permissionless. Sure. And really what that comes down to is what is needed to run a, a validator in this network. So let's discuss a few of these different liquid staking providers. There's a bunch of them but I chose the biggest ones and ones from each category. So the first is Lido, which offers STETH, sometimes called STETH, but essentially it stands for staked ETH. STETH represents 75% of all the liquid staked ETH. It's basically, they invented the category and they built a massive stake on this kind of first mover advantage that they have. Lido is what we call permissioned, meaning they don't control all the validators themselves, but they vet the validator partners to ensure that they know what they're doing. Lido's website currently claims a 4.6% APR, which is less their 10% fee that they charge on all rewards earned. The way rewards accrue with STETH is tricky. Every day at 12 p.m. UTC, they do what's called a rebasing. They take inventory of all the rewards earned in the last 24 hours and how much new ETH has been staked with them, and the amount of STETH in your wallet automatically increases. Like, the number just goes up in your wallet without receiving a fresh transaction. Since they're by far the biggest player in the space, most DeFi platforms like Curve and Yearn, for example, they account for this rebasing, even if your STETH is staked with, with Yearn. 
It's important to know that STETH currently trades at a slight discount. Instead of staking your ETH directly with Lido, you're better off buying STETH for ETH on Curve, where one ETH currently gets you around 1.01 ETH, or a 1% discount. Next up is Coinbase ETH, or CBETH. CBETH is fully centralized, meaning Coinbase runs all the validators themselves. CBETH currently represents 15% of the liquid staked ETH market. They're currently quoting 3.88% APR, which is less their 25% fee. That's right, Coinbase charges 25% on all the rewards earned by staking your ETH with Coinbase. That's a big deal. Now, Coinbase ETH rewards accrue a bit differently than STETH. Instead of a rebase, CBETH rewards accrue to the token itself, meaning that if you stake one ETH with Coinbase, you won't get exactly one CBETH in return. That's because the value of CBETH is slowly increasing over time as Coinbase validators earn more and more rewards. Just know that someday when withdrawals are enabled, Coinbase will give you more ETH than what you put in when you're ready to unstake. Next, let's talk Frax ETH. Frax is a stablecoin, but they recently released an ETH staking derivative as well. For now, it's a bit centralized, but they've confirmed that they have plans to enable anyone to run a validator once the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade is released. Frax ETH currently pays over 8% APR, which is double its competitors. This is because they do things a bit differently. When you deposit your ETH with Frax, you get FRX ETH or Frax ETH in return, which doesn't regenerate any rewards on its own. You can choose to swap your Frax ETH for S Frax ETH, that's staked Frax ETH, which generates the rewards from their validators. Or you can take your Frax ETH and stake it in DeFi like Curve, and then you can earn swap fees and DeFi fees from there. So currently, 50% of Frax ETH is earning fees in DeFi, and 50% is earning fees from the stakes, from the rewards, from the validators. And since only half of the Frax ETH is earning 100% of the staking rewards, staked Frax ETH earns about twice as much as all the other providers. It's a pretty cool system if you ask me. The last liquid staking derivative we'll cover is Rocket Pool, or RETH. RETH is permissionless, and we'll get into how that works here in a second. On their site, Rocket Pool currently quotes a 6.61% APR for node operators and a 4.15% APR if you want to stake without being a node operator. To buy RETH on Uniswap, you currently pay a 6% premium. So I asked Pete, why is that? So Rocket Pool's problem, if you will, and there's many good things about Rocket Pool, but the problem is they need node operators. They're permissionless node operators. So Lido, again, or Coinbase, Coinbase can just spin up a new validator anytime they want to. Yep. Lido, they have trusted parties and they can say, here's another 32 ETH, please spin up another validator. So if somebody comes along and deposits 16 ETH worth in aggregate into Rocket Pool's pool, they need somebody to sign up and say, here's my 16 ETH and I'm going to run a new mini pool. And the problem that Rocket Pool was having and i believe still to be having is they don't have enough people signing up to do that mm -hmm. so the problem is their deposit pool there's actually a limit on how much they will allow to sit in their deposit pool ah. not actually being staked because they don't have enough node operators mm -hmm. and they reach that limit i see so there was a time when you actually couldn't buy reth from rocket pool because that deposit pool was full and in the case of rocket pool 
if you want to run a rocket pool node instead of 32 ETH, currently you need 16 ETH and at least 1.6 ETH worth of the RPL token to run a node. Uh -huh. And we'll unpack that. So your 16 ETH is instead of the 32 ETH, you're, you're putting your own stake in your own node. And then what happens is rocket pool matches that with 16 ETH from their pool. So as an end user, if you're not running a node and you just want to stake with rocket pool and get some RPL, let's just say you, you take 0.1 ETH and you deposit it and you get 0.1 R ETH. Yeah. Well, now there's 0.1 ETH sitting in a pool. So that's going to sit there in the pool until the next time somebody is, until that accumulates to at least 16 ETH. Mm -hmm. And then somebody is willing to run a new, what Rocket Pool calls mini pool, mm -hmm. I think node, uh, in which case the pool is going to provide that 16 ETH, match the node operator's 16 ETH, and now we've got the 32 ETH we need to run a node. There are plans in the future to reduce that to 8 ETH and 4 ETH and so forth. I don't want to dig too deep there, but for right now it's, it's 16 ETH as a Rocket Pool node operator. But importantly, you don't need to apply to be a, a rocket pool node operator. Right. This is the permissionless part. Anyone can do it. And the way they make that work is you, you have your own 16 ETH at stake, which if you suffer any penalties, it comes out of your 16 ETH. Ah. So that's the, you know, that's how the pool insures itself. And then also this RPL deposit, you have to have a deposit of at least 1.6 ETH worth of RPL. Mm-hmm. That goes into essentially an insurance pool. So that yeah, that's interesting because you know all of these services they have they have tokens. Um, Lido has the Lido token. Frax has Frax. Coinbase has a token on uh, the Nasdaq. They have all got tokens, but it sounds like this is the only one that the token is woven into the operation. Like there's incentive to be a token holder, a token staker of the rock. Uh, what is it? RPL, I believe, is the Rocket Pool RPL token. Yeah. yeah, it's the only one that I see has um, an incentive there. And we'll talk about theories on investing in some of these later, but that's just an interesting difference as well. Yeah, it's a huge difference. You, you actually do need the RPL token, some amount of it, to be a Rocket Pool node operator. So there's a utility created for, for that token that some of the others don't have. We had a Swell ETH on the list here, which was something I hadn't even heard of yet. Um, I saw you added it on there. Is it something that you've dug into? Maybe you want to break down Swell ETH uh, just quickly here at the end? Yeah, so Swell ETH is definitely a new player in the scene. I don't know if actually they're newer than Frax, but they're, they're both new players. So okay. they are uh, an interesting hybrid between some of these things. So they're a hybrid in that they're a hybrid between permissioned and permissionless for node operators. Mm -hmm. And then also they have a unique value accrual method. So they have uh, SWETH, which is a pegged token. It remains one-to-one -one pegged with Ethereum. But when you deposit it to get SWETH, you receive an NFT. And the value that's in your staked ETH accrues to that NFT. Huh. So it's a, it's a different way. I haven't dug super deep into, into Swell, but that's mm -hmm. different. They're in more ways than one. They're kind of a hybrid between like a Lido and a Rocket Pool. And I, I, think, I think they're a project that's definitely worth watching. I haven't personally invested with them yet, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of encouraging things there. So as they get going, I think they're worth keeping an eye on. What do you think about diversifying across liquid staking? I know you like Rocket Pool. Are you considering also solo staking, also checking out something else? Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. And I, I think in almost any field, putting all your eggs in one basket introduces you know further risk while we're discussing risk. So yeah, that probably does depend on you know the, putting 
having multiple baskets also increases complexity. You've got to keep track of all of that and yep. know where everything is and what's going on with all these different ecosystems. Right. So it might come down to how much of your you know personal net worth you you have invested in this and and how much of your time therefore you're going to spend keeping track of it all but i would expect that diversifying here is is going to at least spread your risk but also lessening the chance that any one event other than something you know going catastrophically wrong with ethereum itself which is again always a possibility yeah so again you may want to diversify that too it's basic investing something to think about so now we understand proof of stake and why the need for liquid staking even exists in the first place. We've broken down the various players and how they work. So in the next episode, we'll discuss staking at a higher level. What could happen when the unlock occurs? And my theory on staking being the basis of tons of yield during the next bull market. Be sure to hit up bitlift.com slash podcast for links to everything we discussed here today. And if you got any questions or comments, come find me on crypto Twitter and say what up. That's twitter.com slash bitlift, B-I-T-L-I-F-T. And if you're deep down the crypto rabbit hole, come hang out with myself and a few hundred crypto geeks in the BitLift Discord at bitlift.com slash discord to connect. The hosts and guests of the BitLift podcast are not registered financial advisors. The thoughts and strategies discussed are simply personal opinions and should not be treated as financial advice or recommendation to make a particular investment. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. And your wallet automatically increases 